morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the MI Golf Channel podcast with me, Paul Kelly, and herself, Emma Self. How are you? I'm grand, thank you. I'm grand, still recovering from the Solheim Cup, I think. Well, that's, where we're, that's where we're going to start today. There's nowhere else we can start on today's show. We're nope. going to talk about Solheim Cups and Leona Maguire. We're going to talk about Ryder Cups and who Park Harrington might pick. And more big news for the North Coast. Royal Portrush is getting the Open Championship back. Cannot wait. It was one of the Woo-hoo. best experiences of my life. We'll talk about that later on. But first, <laughs> the Solheim Cup and the smug faces that everybody in Ireland has because Leona Maguire <laughs> did what everybody else thought she was going to do. Nobody well, expected okay. over the water, but we all knew. We all knew Emma, didn't we? We did, we did. I think we said when when did we have our earmarked for a pick that you shouldn't ignore? When was it? On the on this very podcast. Four months ago, we put her on we put her on the list and said that she would be a good addiction. We did, even without a win on the on tour, which it looked like she might have been challenging for. And I remember us just saying, doesn't doesn't matter about the win. And we suspected that old Beanie might see it the same way. And she certainly did. And my word. And wasn't that lovely what her sister said as well about how amazing that she'd always known she was and now the rest of the world knows as well. But equally, like you say, Ireland was going, yep, we knew too. Yeah, Maybe yeah. not exactly as much as Elisa, but... Just, just fantastic. What ah, amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, I'd be scared. It, I'd be terrified to face her down on a golf course, even for she, fun. She is a stone cold assassin in match play. Yeah. She is yep. not going to give you an inch. No, absolutely. And I saw, I uh, don't know if you heard this as well, that she'd been speaking to Paul McGinley a wee bit before um, before the Solheim Cup and he'd said to her, just be yourself and just, yeah, exactly that. Don't don't give him an inch because, you know, he obviously knows exactly what type of player she is, like her match play and the Curtis Cups and everything, just zone, you know, just zoning in. And she said herself how competitive she is and that match play really, really suits her as a format. And, you know, it was just the stars were just aligning, weren't they? But even even then to, to, to become the, you know, the best rookie there's ever been in the whole competition, the first Irish player there's ever been, you know, she's just instant history everywhere. And uh, yeah, absolutely incredible and fantastic to watch. But the, the whole thing was brilliant to watch, though, wasn't it, to be honest? I think uh, it's only obviously recording on the Tuesday night, finished yesterday. Um, and it, it's hard to sort of think a lot about it in terms of what the impact of it will be a couple of things worth thinking about uh, i think first one winning away from home and winning away from home in itself is tough but winning away from home when there's hardly any fans there is truly mm-hmm. remarkable remarkable it really is. Mm-hmm, uh, absolutely and, and it says a lot about uh katrina matthews captaincy i think and the way the solid european team went about it that how they managed themselves, how they managed themselves in that wee bubble, and how they maintained a very dignified, very classy approach, which is, I suppose is reflective of being yourself. You know, yeah. there, there was no showman, there was no up and down the hands, there was no getting into it and roaring shouting at anybody. It was from yep. the start to the finish, high quality, disciplined, professional dinage. 
absolutely that's the perfect summary really and like you say I think you know they obviously knew there weren't going to be many if any voices heard on their side in the crowd and they were you know they were in the zone and the way they were able to just blank it all out the USA's was really quite impressive there's it's hard enough you know like as on a an away uh Solheim Cup or Ryder Cup as it is with the American crowds and that's when you've got Europeans allowed to travel um and all the rest of it but I have to say when um when when Matilda Castron made that putt uh, there was more noise in our living room than there was on the course it was like we were looking at each other it's like actually did did it actually happen like have we got it wrong because it was silent and I I was a wee bit annoyed I mean the American team themselves, I think they conduct themselves really, really well. But they do the fans do get in the wind. They get my back up. They really do. So can you only imagine what it's like playing in front of them? But then at least you get to do them what's what, I suppose. But just, you know, it's just different, isn't it? There's no appreciation of of a good shot. It's just it becomes too bloody in battle or something for them to eat. Well, I, think, I think you're talking about, about how they conduct themselves. And she look at Castro after you hold that pot. It was almost like, so matter of fact, not to put in. She didn't go screaming off into the arms nope. where teammates. She hold the put very calmly, hold the put, walked over, congratulated her player partner, congratulated the caddy, and only then did she hug somebody. It was just, yep. that was just indicative of the frame of mind that they were in. So I think secondly, the other thing that you want to take out of it is Leona Maguire herself. Now, was talked in the past about Leona and how her career is gradual increase. She finds mm-hmm. her, her her level and then does well. She finds her level and then does well. And she talked about afterwards being a confidence boost. She's possibly already the rookie of the year in America. We'll see what happens. Uh, where does she go from now? Are we talking about somebody who, I suppose we'll have to talk about majors next, isn't it? I think we do. Well, I mean, she was she was contending in majors even this year as well as um on regular events wasn't she and like you say she's been building up on her career has been very carefully structured by by her and her team around her the reason she stayed amateur for so long and didn't dive into being a professional you know it's all been so carefully laid out and you know obviously this was a massive goal for her and maybe maybe it's come around sooner than she might have thought maybe this was exactly bang on and you wouldn't put it past her that this was exactly this is the tick and yeah the confidence I mean the only the thing is as well I suppose there'll be there'll be so many more eyes on her now at every event you know it's beginning to be that way a wee bit wasn't it um you know the media particularly in America were beginning to take notice of her and they are obviously familiar with her from the college system and all the rest of it so they've always got a lot of things to say about her but so there will be that added pressure but I mean she seems like she's not one that's going to shy away from pressure really um and she's uh pretty pretty clutch at the best of times and every aspect of her game when it's tuned in like that it, I think the word that some people were using was savage and it, it was savage and even you know I know she's obviously been as an, um been tired from other things Nellie Corda but but you know side by side out there she it, it looked like she she could have out, outplayed the world number one easily on you know and maybe not easily but but uh, convincingly on any other day as well so I I think we have to talk majors but it's you know it's one of those things that she'll she'll be going away and like you say taking the confidence for it and she and her team will be back to 
back to basics though and just taking it one step at a time again because yeah. it's a it's a process it's all processed isn't it i think i think that um in terms of her career progression yes she probably performed far better than she expected let's be honest um and she became the heartbeat of that team as a rookie but let's be honest five you only wanted to play in five matches so she was a heartbeat of the team which says so much for a how well she was playing and the impact she's having on their people around her and, and just how how she was identified therefore by the, the team and the management as somebody who was fit to do that but yeah. the other thing i would say about majors and it's something that's worth pointing out to people in that although the Solheim cup is possibly the biggest event on in ladies golf it's europe again against america and if you're being honest a korean team would probably beat both of them and an asian yep. team would beat both of them so um, majors are nearly harder to win than it is to, you know to do well in the solheim cup so well you, you, know, you just have to ask ian poulter about the difference don't you yeah, as well for exactly or monty or some of our best match players on on the you know the men's side yeah. we still have more more success there seems to be more crossover on on the solheim team to be yeah. honest doesn't there with, with the women gaining majors at the mm -hmm. top of their game but like mm -hmm. as you say there's definitely there's other yeah. a big presence of, yeah. in women's golf in particular people from outside any nation that's involved that's in the solheim cup and you just don't want you just don't want people to sort of now say oh leona did brilliantly at the solheim cup which automatically means she's going to be a, a future major winner that that's not the case to go from Solheim yeah. to major is it's probably a step up. It's it's not the pinnacle, right? The, the, the Solheim Cup is not the pinnacle of women's golf, and that's an important thing that people need to, to get in their head. Um, it's a superb uh, event and it's high, most high profile one, but it's not the pinnacle for Leona to go on and win a major will be the highest thing she can get. Now, well, and the interesting thing is it may not get her the same column inches, the same media attention winning a major but that that is the, the fact you know yeah that's a very good point very and, good point and also finally from my point of view you might want to say a few more wee things about the, the Solheim Cup but you know Leona has been a, a great role model and a great driver of change here for women's golf in Ireland and you know that's that can you imagine or fingers crossed what golf Ireland do now on the back of this like they yeah. have to go to town don't they absolutely and um there was a few calls which you know i think we've maybe been saying as well for a while that please may we have a, a women's irish open back if there's ever been a better time i'd like to see it than off the back of of this and and also you know who's only the last woman who won a, a ladies irish open well it was katrina matthews so again it seems the stars are somewhat aligning and maybe people shouldn't be ignoring that because you know it's it's brilliant you know young young boys and girls can go and, and watch the they're actually we're semi-spoiled really with the amount of professional events on various tours there are around ireland at the moment but as far as the women's game goes there's there's not a lot more that they could do than than to reinstate the the Irish Open, I would say, because that's just inescapable and it just becomes such a source of inspiration and, and enjoyment. And that's you know, that's that's the key, isn't it, to, to getting youngsters in, involved in it is, is enjoying it and to see role models like Leona um in action up close. I think it's one of those ones that baffles people why we don't have now 
we obviously have the the ASPS handle, which is a mixed event. Yeah. And is that's the sort of field that you're talking about. So I, I don't know if there's room in the calendar or even within within the Irish golfing landscape for two events bringing all the women's best women's golfers together. But I do agree, it seems kind of daft in this day and age that there isn't an Irish Open or women's Irish Open of, of some sort. And hopefully that, that, that improves going forward. Anything else you talked to the Sol Cup? Well, there was there was controversy, wasn't there? There's always <laughs> nothing, isn't there? I mean, the exciting images of things allegedly hanging off the edge that appeared on the internet after that was um the internet outdid itself somewhat. I think my favorite one was um might have been Michael McEwen actually, who put up a picture of the Statue of Liberty firmly planted on the ground, hanging over the edge. <laughs> it's just like, oh dear, this is getting. But what, what did you make of that though? Because if you're following, it seemed to me that it depended what angle you licked at that ball if it was hanging. But if the rule is that it's hanging hanging at all, it looked like it might have been from some angles, but then Trish Johnson came on and I love how blunt she is about everything. She's like, it's an uphill putt. Yeah. It's not going in. Like it's not going in in a million years. It's an uphill putt and it's stop. Um, so it it was all in the hanging, really, wasn't it? Of whether it's hanging or not. And it was oh, that was heartbreaking. In the list of in the list of Sol Cup controversies, it's probably not up there with the biggest of them. If you could imagine (laughs) had the lost by a point, it would have come back to it. But I agree with Trish, you know. That ball would need to have defied the laws of physics to go in because it had actually gone through the break. It had gone through the break. It was on the low side of the hole. Done. It wasn't coming against that. I've played, you know, quite a lot of match play golf. And leave my golf ball alone. Don't touch mm-hmm. my golf ball. It's not your golf ball to touch. Leave it alone. <laughs> so, so there's part of me. It may instinctively was, why did you touch the player's golf ball? It's going to have to do with you. Yeah. And yes, it's in the rules. You can pick the ball up one thing or another. But invariably, you look at them and say, listen, do you want me to pick that up for you? That's good. Do you want yeah. me to pick it up for you? And she just yeah. walked over and whipped it up. Now, yes, she knew it was on the low side. It can't go in up a hill. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. Uh, but uh, it, it wasn't just... Even at the Solheim Cup. <laughs> even in the Solheim Cup, and even as quick and through those greens were... But um, it sure wouldn't it be a Solheim Cup without a bit of controversy. There's always something at the Solheim Cup. It was quite good to get it out of the way early doors, I suppose, as well, because quite often these things seem to happen. I don't know, like you say, at much at more more key moments, less opportune moments, and then there isn't time for for players on both sides to settle down. You know, there's been criticism, obviously, of how the Americans, if if they really felt that bad about it, then they should not have you know they could have could have given the whole back and could have given the whole back exactly exactly and they had zero intention of doing that um but and why did the referee why the referee got involved in the first place is weird but then the rules the rules do allow for ref to step in yeah, like Laura Laura Davis I think was saying in commentary as well though she's never never she's not sure why it got to that point because why would it need to get to that point so it, but yeah like we say it, it wouldn't be a Solheim Cup without a little a little something a little niggle in there would it and and it's just good that that it didn't end up with the bitter taste in the mouth it wasn't like I don't think either side well Sagstrom I'm sure was delighted to get her singles but you know that kind of evened it out in the end I suppose and it all, all's well it ends well all's well it ends well and still the, the team golf thing 
The next one up, obviously, is a Ryder Cup in a couple of weeks' time, and they're at the BMW over at Wentworth, which, I have to say, looks absolutely unbelievable at this time of year. I do prefer it at mm. this time of year. Um, I agree. And Harrington's there, and he's already been talking this week about his picks. He's got a pick now um, at the end of this week, so he'll have to come up with a couple of picks. And the first thing he said very clearly today was that Poulter and Garcia, it was, you know, that they were in the pole position for picks. So uh, got us thinking here, if that means that he's thinking of Poulter and Garcia, and by the way, Garcia's mm-hmm. playing okay, I'm still not sure about Poulter. That leaves Likewise. Him- that leaves him with one pick. So the question is, who are you thinking? Who do you think would he be choosing now, Miss Self? It's tricky, isn't it? I don't envy him it because the, the little group of players that are all kind of clumped together in the area you would expect them to come from are all, they all sort of offer very different things. And I think maybe, Maybe ironically, if he hadn't just gone to America and tried to play his way via the Corn Ferry Tour and into PGA to get his PGA Tour card, I think I might have been edging on the side of Bob McIntyre automatically. Mm. But I'm not sure confidence-wise we'll see. It's why the, it's a great thing for him to have the BMW before he's got to do this. I mean, we don't have that insight. We don't have that bonus. But do you know what I mean? I think before that, he, he's been playing really well on big stages. It would He's got the impetus. He's got the heart. As an American like to say, well, but you know, well, I I would probably have chosen him maybe out of them, but yeah. I'm not sure how his confidence will be having missed yeah. out on his PGA tour. And do you know what I mean? I'm not sure about that. And yeah, he'll also probably be I think, realistic. I think you're right. He was he was definitely playing better earlier in the season, and his his form yeah. seemed to have tailed a wee bit. So he's certainly not coming into this event with the form that we'd want, so I agree with you. So if it's not Bob, who would you go for? This is where it becomes tricky. Maybe Victor, you know, Victor Perez, who um, I think you can't avoid people being good at match play. And he really, like at the Accenture earlier in the year, was fantastic. And he was an unknown. And the Americans were a bit like, I'm sorry, who is this chap who is like... What is he doing kicking us all out of this event? And and he's played, you know, he's not played loads in America. I guess that's the other thing as well. There's not an obvious person who's a PGA tour player because I think particularly the way Whistling Straits is going to be set up, I think, which is actually one of the things as well that the Solheim team had in their um had an had an advantage in a way because they they may have been rookies and they may have been this, that, and the other, but they're all very regular LPG um LPGA, can't speak players. So there isn't an obvious one, so I, I personally might take a little risk on Victor again. Form, maybe not as much as you would like it, but if he's already decided he's taking Poulter and Garcia, Garcia, as you say, I, I definitely be wanting Garcia out there. It's going to be a bomber's course as well, and he's actually quite long as well as everything else he has going in his favour. But he, I think he'll be doing it through pairings. I think he'll be doing it through what he, how well he knows the players, to be honest, and who he's going to pick. I think he'll be led by who's going to match up. Because if he's essentially going to have eleven of them kind of decided, then it's that makes sense, really, doesn't it? And neither you nor I have that inside information, no. particularly. But what do you recommend who's your who's your I, money on? I was just thinking there. Um, I'm looking around. I'm looking at people who are playing well, and I look at. Uh, Bernd Wiesberger, who is 
obviously playing quite steady and quite well again. He's picked up. But the one who's kind of shown very strongly of late is Alex Noren. Um, yeah. You know, if Alex Noren was to put it in again, surely to God Alex Noren is now, you know, he's hitting form bang when you need it. You need somebody. Right. If Alex Noren goes and, you know, and, and does the business at a venue that he's done done well at before, you know, as opposed to Bob that you mentioned there, who, who appears to have gone the opposite direction, um, I think somebody like Norm would be useful. I don't think I don't think it's going to go any any outside of those ones that we've mentioned, Emma. I can't see, yeah. you know, Victor Perez. I don't see been, why. Yeah, Victor Perez has been in knocking around that team all year. It's just slipped out a wee bit now towards the end. I would certainly echo the sentiments David has expressed and convey our sincere appreciation for the warmth of the welcome and the dedicated and enthusiastic support we've received in Northern Ireland from the executive, through the public agencies, in particular TNI and PSNI, to the local community and to Royal Portrush Golf Club and its members. So many partners made huge contributions to the success of the 148th Open in 2019. And I'm delighted to be able to recognize that in a very positive and tangible way this morning. Before I can confirm the news that you've all been waiting for, and I'm sure will hardly be a surprise to anyone, I would just like to briefly set out our vision for continuing this excellent relationship and developing and enhancing both the Open and Royal Portrush's position in world golf in the years and decades to come. I've often said that big-time sport needs big-time venues and big-time crowds, as well as an outstanding golf course. That means venues which can offer the space and facilities needed to accommodate substantially more than 200,000 people during the week, it means a transport infrastructure that can enable tens of thousands of people to come and go from the championship at the same time as the wider community go about their daily lives with minimal disruption. It means public agencies and local authorities being able to invest resources, energy and time in being able to work with us to make this all happen over years of preparation. We undoubtedly received that support here in Northern Ireland, and that's why we are so excited about what can be achieved here in the future. We see huge potential for Port Rush to continue to develop and enhance its status, and perhaps achieve the same iconic status for golfers throughout Northern Ireland as St Andrews enjoys in Scotland. There's a lot that needs to fall into place for that vision to be achieved, however, and the continuing support of the Northern Ireland executive, its agencies and the local authority will be essential. But if we can all do that, then the sky really is the limit. Turning back to more immediate matters, I would now like to make today's formal announcement. And that is, I am delighted personally and for the RNA and for Royal Portrush and for Northern Ireland to confirm that the 153rd Open will be played here at Royal Portrush 
from the 13th to the 20th of July 2025. We look forward immensely to staging the Open here again, and the countdown starts now. Big news for the North Coast, probably the worst kept secret in all of golf, Emma, if we're being honest, particularly since Ian Paisley Jr. made it known to everybody in the world at the Open Championship. I know, when, when was that, like March or something that we first started hearing? Yeah. It'll just, it's just a matter of confirming the date. Yeah, but then still eventually. very exciting. Still really. very exciting. Easily one of the best golfing experiences of my life, going to the Open Championship. To, to think that we waited all these years for it to come back and now it's going to come back again in four or five years. It's just remarkable. What do you think? Do you think yeah, it's so a, quickly. Yeah, do you think it's like they've decided to give it back to them because they haven't been able to capitalise on the first one because of COVID? Probably makes sense it will probably have been a little part in their thinking because you know there's so many different ways that something that that the area where you have the open capitalizes on it and it's not all about financial and all the rest of that side of it it's about you know the the open's main aim is growing the game and the knock-on effect of that whilst golf has been growing um during the pandemic and all the rest of it they won't like you say they won't have reaped the full benefits of, of having the open championship in in northern ireland at all so i would like to think that they have considered that because there are so many venues um you know that are part of the um the open cycle that it's not it is a surprise isn't it to everybody that it's that it is coming back so relatively soon um and that would make sense as one of the reasons, other than the fact that it's a guaranteed sellout and was amazing. And I really need to go because my child decided to be born high brood during the open uh, when it was at Port Rush. So I still need to go with my dad because that was the thing about breaking the fact. Not, yeah, you're going to be a granddad again, but more, I won't be able to come to the open with you. I'm going to be busy, sorry. So yeah, there's a, there's a, Scores that need to be settled there, frankly, on a personal level as well. So I can't wait. <laughs> I think um, I think I know for a fact because um, I was certainly aware and I was involved in um, some of the work that was going on in the background around the opening. There was grand plans for legacy, um, and mm. it was meant to be you know programs for this and programs for that, and they all went out the window because of COVID. And, and let's be honest, a lot of yeah even to get into golf programs and, and, you know, some of the disabled programs that I've been involved in developing mm-hmm. with Golf Ireland, you know, most of those haven't really happened because of COVID because people are still afraid to get together in groups. Um, people are being very cautious and the opportunity there hasn't, has been missed most definitely to build on the success of the Open Championship because, you know, I've always said, you know, she and Larry won the Open Championship in Ireland at the very first Open yep. Championship they held in 50-odd years. And it should have been the catalyst for a new breed and a new impetus in the golf. And it, it was gone. Mm-hmm. It was lost, lost in the ether. Now, it just so happened that because of COVID and golf being one of the first games that was allowed back, there already is <laughs> a huge well of, of new interest in golf. And it's come from Absolutely. the bottom up. So, you know, Fingers crossed that this is an opportunity that we can, those people can really capitalise on it and make something of it. But, you know, and then not only that, we're going to get to see Shane back again. Shane's still going to be in his prime. Rory's still going to be in his prime. They're going to get another crack at this. 
it's got yes. so much going for it. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and we don't know who else might be involved by then. You know, five, five, five or six years is can be, you know, a while. You never know. We Tom McKibben might be challenging oh, them. That would be, you know, that would be absolutely. A, a lot can happen in a golf career in that amount of time, can't it? So exciting times. But yeah, absolutely. You're right. The legacy, it's like the you know we we heard so much about it with the the 2012 olympics being in london how legacy was the most important thing and we we slash you slash they deserve the chance to benefit from that and fully the way that was intended previously and and as soon as possible um to to really maximize everything and every opportunity out of it because it's almost happened like you say kind of despite you know, despite COVID, kind of because of COVID, but it's happened despite having the Open there, really, in many ways. Like you say, people wanted to get out and do something and golf was there. Great, we'll take them. We'd, we'll love to have you all. Brilliant. But, you know, there's so much more that can be done and there's, you know, the the even things like the the Super Cup coming, you know, the football and the, the trophy tour that was round and, you know, the, the, when they take the claret jug around Ireland to show everybody and all that kind of stuff, it's just, you, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. The whole, the whole thing from, from beforehand through to the end of the tournament is great. I don't see how it wouldn't be. I think there's a lot of people, for starters, who didn't get tickets last time who will be at the front of the Glastonbury-style computer, renewing, refreshing to try and <laughs> try and get them. And every time any event comes to Northern Ireland, it's pretty much a sellout, if COVID permitting, obviously. But, yeah. you know, yeah. and the, the knowledge and everything that the crowds have, the players love it. And it's just, it's such a reciprocal thing when there's a massive golf event in Northern Ireland. It's just great. Just great. So... Yeah. getting all excited getting all excited already can't wait, yeah. can't wait. and that's it that brings us to the end of this episode of the podcast as I said it's great to be talking about positive things Yoni McGuire Ryder Cups Royal Port Rush just feels like it feels like the good old days again getting all excited oh, yeah. golf again for a long time there was no buzz now I'm getting it that's us. that's go. us thanks very much for listening and following us as always get in touch on our social platforms We'll be back in a couple of weeks, hot off the back of the Ryder Cup. Will Parry Carrington do the business? He's under a bit of pressure now. He's under a bit of pressure. Look at what Paul McGinley mm-hmm. did as the last captain. Irish captain, he's got to do that. Um, Rory's playing. Um, in America. Playing in America. Can he do a beanie? That's the question. Can he do a beanie? Some people have suggested he should pick a McGuire. Couldn't argue with <laughs> can we pick Yoni McGuire? He wasn't averse to it. No, why not? <laughs> it just makes you think, why not a mixed team event? Surely that's the next thing <gasps> on the agenda. Rory oh, and Leona pairing up at the, at the Olympics next next time round. Oh, what mm-hmm. an opportunity. That's us. Thanks very much for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.